Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I'm your host today, Bruce Irving. Today, my guest is Alex Goons from Hot Tongue Pizza. We talked about a lot of things. He started his own podcast. We talk about that, why he interviewed some of the people that he's interviewed and decided to interview on his podcast, how I get guests for this podcast that you're listening to right now. We also talked about his experience at the Pizza Expo, and he this was his first year competing. We talk about that a little bit. We talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast. It's a good episode with Alex. He's a great guy. I love talking to him, and you know, I just love talking and doing this podcast, and I appreciate you listening to this podcast because you listen. I get to talk to some amazing people in the pizza community and really get to know them, and you know, I get to meet people who I probably may have but probably wouldn't have met and or had the opportunity to talk to if I didn't do this podcast and if you didn't listen because I don't know if I have gotten this far in the podcast journey if you didn't listen every single week. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, I have to say thank you to a couple of the show sponsors. Number one, Baccio Cheese. I've been using Baccio Cheese at home a lot. You're probably thinking to yourself, you know what, Bruce, they probably pay you money to say that. And I say, you know what? You are absolutely right. They do. But the reason they do is because I actually like it. And we've been working together for a long time and I've been making it in all my pizzas that I make at home. And I make pizza quite a bit at home. I use the baking steel and I just love making pizza at home. My family loves it, whether it's indoors or outdoors and Baccio cheese, whether I use the Gosney or uni oven outside, or I use my home oven, the, the cheese just melts great. It shreds easy. It's very versatile. It lets me cook with whatever I want, a pizza, Detroit style, Italian style, whatever kind of pizza I'm making at home, Baccio Cheese has delivered the goods, and I really do enjoy it. If you want to try some out for yourself and request a sample, i got a special code for you as a listener of the SPM show, BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. You can request a sample. They'll send you some. You can try it out in your pizzeria or at home. I guarantee you're going to like it because I'm pretty picky when it comes to products that I eat and then I talk about here on the podcast. And I enjoy it a lot. I really do. Honestly, I really do think it's a great cheese. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. And also my friends over at Stanislaus. If you are looking for tomatoes, you know Stanislaus. They're at the Pizza Expo. They're in the magazines. They're on this podcast. They have a great product. It's a great family-run business. They also have a great newsletter, so if you're looking for information similar to what I do here on the podcast, they just do it in an email form. Go to their website, stanislaus.com. You can sign up for their weekly or bi-weekly newsletter, but then also get some samples of their products because they are great, and they have so many different products that you can use. So no matter what kind of cooking you're doing when it comes to Italian-style dishes or whatever style pizza you have, they have a product that's going to suit your needs, and they're going to help you come up with the perfect product that's going to be great for your pizza recipe. Stanislaus.com. Go check them out. I promise you, you won't regret it. Thank you so much to Baccio and Stanislaus for supporting the podcast. Again, those those companies as well. Please support them because by their support, again, you listening to the podcast, the support of our sponsors makes this show happen. And I like doing it. I want to continue to do it. So please help me out there. Go check them out. Let them know you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Very much appreciated on my end. Let's get into the rest of the show with Alex. From Hot Tongue Pizza. All right, Alex from Hot Tongue Pizza joining me again on the podcast. Welcome back to the show, Alex. Thanks again for having me. Excited to be here. I like having, you know, when I first started the podcast, I was like, I'm never doing a repeat guest, but now I like having a repeat guest because it's like more comfortable for me. It's probably more comfortable for you being on the podcast again. And I get to refresh 
my memory of things that maybe I wanted to talk to you about that I didn't get the chance because it's only a half an hour show. There's only so much we can talk about in a half an hour, but I'm glad to have you back on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel the same. I was uh, the first time I was on, I think um, maybe like three years ago, I was scared shitless. And uh, <laughs> I went I went over everything in my head. But through the years, I've gotten to be back on a couple of times. And it feels like a lot more natural. I'm less scared and intimidated by you until I met you at the uh, the uh, the Miami Expo, or the uh, Florida Expo. And I saw how big you are. <laughs> you can't you can't see how big I am on camera. At least I'm sitting in a seat. It makes me look small. You, he is not a small man. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. And guess what? You have your own podcast now. That is right. It's very exciting. I, I came on your podcast to talk about what you, you've been doing for years. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your show. Obviously, big fan. Thank you. And, you know, uh, I Drift on What's Good Doe has come out. And then, you know, Nino. I'm going to butcher his name, him and Shaylin. Coniglio, right? Uh, yeah. They have the, the, he has like that long form, almost like Joe Rogan podcast. And then, you know, Steve Delinsky has a podcast. Yeah. And then there's probably some other ones that, but those are the ones that I've listened to. And I was just thinking like, you always talk about like, start a podcast. The first episode's going to suck, but just keep on going. And That's I was true. like, you know what? This would be a great excuse to like meet people in Los Angeles and hopefully beyond at some point and and kind of like create community and also selfishly get to like learn about all these people and meet them. And that's kind of like the the I've taken I've taken what you've done and what other people have done, all those people that I talked about and kind of like done it in a way that I like. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've taken your own, you put your own spin on it. Like there's so many ways to start a podcast. And even if a topic's been covered, it doesn't mean that it's been covered by you. You're going to ask different questions. You're a different person than I am. You have different experiences and it's good to get out there. And you have a, you have great production with your podcast. You do it in person. You do these, your podcast in person with people, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, it depends on what you're comfortable with. But a lot of people say that in-person podcasts just come out better. Yeah, it's it's it it's really nice to be like like facing them, and then that was a big part of like, all right, if we're gonna do this, like, let's go, let's not have them come to Hot Tongue or like meet somewhere else in the studio or something. Let's actually go to like if they're popping up, let's go to their pop up. Yeah. Or like, let's go to their let's go to their shop and like, you know, and, and make it a, a, a them thing and put you know, it, it, it gives also the, the people that I have like I have interviewed. Hopefully, it gives them. You know, it's like free content too for them to use as well. Yeah. Um, I just like, I always wanted to be asked to come on a podcast too. Like, that's how I thought it worked. You know what I mean? I thought that like, oh, you got to be good enough to come on or to be like asked to come on my podcast. And then I later realized that if you wait around for shit, nothing's <laughs> you have to literally be pushing yourself out there at all times. And it was, and case in point, when I, I asked you if I could come on, you're like, yeah, sure. And it was that easy. And I was like, oh, shit, like, what what am I, what am I scared of? But yeah. uh, in this situation, I've asked every single guest to come on. And I think that's like a special thing. It's just like stuff that, um, and I'm sure at the beginning, were you asking people to come on? Or Everybody. I ask, I still ask today. I still reach out to people and ask. For, I'd say 90% of the guests that I have come on the podcast is me reaching out to them, asking them to come on. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I don't generally take, it depends on the pitch, right? Like there's a lot of PR companies out there who pitch your podcast. And if the email comes to me and it says, Hey, smart pizza marketing, I don't even go to the next line. I just delete it, you know? Cause if you're not going to take the time to learn the name, my name and say, Hey, Bruce, yeah. of smart pizza marketing you just say hey smart pizza marketing you didn't really care to come on my podcast it's just a generic email uh, but yeah. it, like your email to me was like if someone pitches me and they say hey you know i listen to your podcast or not even if they listen to their podcast like this is what i can bring to the table and this is what i think it would be a cool episode i'll give it a shot it's a recording like in worst case scenario we don't put it out yeah, I mean, and I guess that's like kind of like a scary thing too. Is you want that pitch? You want to make sure that like you're gonna go because I didn't. I knew I knew like maybe half the guests like in in um and granted I've only done you know ten or eleven episodes under my belt and what you are like at four hundred or something five hundred yeah four hundred something on the podcast yeah. feed uh but you know you never you never know you get there and you're asking these questions and you you want like great answers and stuff and i've been lucky enough that everyone like kicked ass but yeah I mean, <laughs> when you're doing 500 you know i don't know yeah there's been there's been podcasts that there's been podcasts that listen it's my job as the person who hosts the show to ask questions and kind of guide the conversation but you only learn that like i am not a broadcaster i'm a fucking pizza guy right who got a microphone and started to do interviews so it's a learning process you have to learn how to do you have to learn how to listen and think of your next question or where you want to guide the conversation at the same time. And that's only something that comes by doing it and having experience. Like in the beginning, if you go back and listen to my first interviews, I don't even fucking know what the guest said for their answer. I was just thinking of my next question. As soon as they were done talking, I was like, great, next next question I'm going to ask them. You know, it's like I don't even remember what the conversation was. And then as you get better at doing it and you get more comfortable, you can say, all right, uh, I'll throw my questions away. Let's just talk. And like, yeah. as, as the conversation goes, you get better at it. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, I've noticed that like how tough listening can be, you know? Like, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, I mean, I should know this having worked in the restaurant industry for so long that not everybody listens, but uh, personally, like sitting there and Matt, my partner and all the media stuff, he's like, all right, listen, when we're doing this, don't like, you can't talk over somebody Somebody can't talk over you. And so it really makes you think, okay, let them finish their question or, you know, like it, I don't know. It's really helped me just in life to maybe listen better, you know? Yeah. It's definitely helpful for sure. I don't know if my wife would say that. She probably thinks I don't listen as good, but she may push back on that. But I, I do agree that I'm a definitely a much better, you know what it, it's made me too? Like I'm an introvert. I don't like to go places. I don't like to be around people that much. Uh, and it's made me kind of come out of my shell a little bit and force me to do things that I'm not comfortable with. Like I'm not naturally a person who would go to, you know, a meeting or an event and just walk up to people and just be social. That's not my personality. I would be more like, wouldn't even go to the event. I would just stay home and not even go to it. Or if I yeah. did go to it, I would probably not talk to anybody unless they came up to me. But it's made me like get out of that shell, which is helpful. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, like, I mean, just talking to strangers all the time, yeah. you know, and there's a formula like with, with pie to pie, the whole thing is I'm asking pretty similar questions. So because it's their, their exact questions that I would, if I was sitting down with them with no camera, this is what I would want to know about your setup as an owner operator today, you know, what kind of flower you're using? Like, 
how, who, who taught you how to make pizza? You know, what's your rent? You know, and, uh, and, and so, uh, going into that, everyone's pretty receptive and it makes it easier to, like you talk about like have the art of interviewing somebody and like having it be natural. Yeah. I have, I've decided, and also because I want, I want to keep these interviews down to 15 minutes if I can. So it's supposed to be 15 minutes try to answer each question, 15 questions, try to answer it in one minute. No one does that. It's so easy to talk to as, as hard as it is to listen. But, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, the, that's, that's kind of like the formula. And that was kind of like the shtick that was a little different than what everybody else was doing. You know, yeah. I think you asked similar questions like, uh, how'd you get your start? You know, but that question I've listened on your podcast somebody might have a, a one minute answer and then that answer might go on for 25 minutes. So trying to make it a, a little bit more specific so that somebody can answer it quickly. Uh, it's kind of been, you've got to find your niche, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think that's a great formula. Like I don't have any questions. There's no questions I have here other than us just talking. But I usually that first question you ask somebody is like, Hey, tell me a little bit about how you got started in the pizza industry. That's going to determine to me how good of a talker they're going to be or how hard of a job it's going to be for me to do this interview, generally. Like if they say, oh, I started at my brother-in-law's place making pizza and now I own a shop. I'm like, fuck, this is going to be a hard interview because like they just said two words, you know? But if they go on for five or six minutes, then it's going to be a lot easier for me because I know, all right, they're comfortable talking. They can share their experiences. I just got to ask the right questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not pulling teeth. Yeah, but I like your formula because I think there is a formula. I've, and I've asked people many times, how long should the podcast be? And a lot of people don't have time to listen to more than 30-minute podcasts. And even the 30-minute podcast, sometimes people say to me, listen, I sometimes I break it up into segments because, uh, you know, I listen to it on my way to work and it's only 20 minutes and then I have to get in there. I can't, like, listen while I'm at work. So I think the 15-minute segment is there's a sweet spot for an audience that only has 15 minutes to listen. Yeah, and like, and really, like the the main thing too is that like, beyond like a story or something, you're getting you're actually getting like nuggets of information, which has been like pretty rad. Like, I, I wanted to ask questions. It's like, all right, what what is some, this? Isn't going to be all entertaining? What exactly can I ask that maybe somebody's going to you know get right away? How can we get ten nuggets in fifteen minutes and? Because uh, I think a lot of the reason we listen to podcasts are our entertainment, but like what I've gotten a lot listening, I've gotten a, a ton of information just listening to your podcast because people just drop nuggets of information. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you you, you do kind of you got a mind for that gold. Yeah, sometimes it might be in that that twenty minute response about how we got started. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've learned so much just talking to the owners and, and operators and just seeing where the pizza community is going. I only interviewed two people that had brick and mortars and uh, from the people that I've interviewed. And it's just like night and day between the pop-up lifestyle and like how you get started and then like being in an, uh, four walls with rent and insurance and, you know, 10 years of that, you can kind of see that the owner operator's a bit more run down than this sprightly, you know, person making their own hours popping up, but they're, they're, they're making, they're making bank. They're yeah. doing 200 pies a night. They know what they're, they know what they're spending. They know their food costs. They know exactly how much they're going to sell every day. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck am I doing? 
open up seven days a week, just throwing the roulette uh, around uh, and, and hopefully we're busy every day. You know, it seems like that kind of business model, uh, which a lot of my guests kind of use, uh, is like a way smarter uh, vision and, 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 uh, and way to operate. It's funny too, because you can only really do that with a pizza, with pizza, right? Like you can't have a pop-up pancake booth. Like no one's going to come to that or a pop-up. Like what else could you do it with? Pizza is like the perfect, perfect food item to be able to kind of do that with. Everybody likes it. Your audience is pretty, pretty big and it's relatively simple to make a pizza, right? Like once you get the hang yeah. of it, there's not that many ingredients that go bad or anything. So I think it's perfect. It's a perfect the pizza pop-up is like the perfect way to get started, which I wish was around when I was starting because it wasn't, a, it wasn't really a thing 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean like with the invention of all those ovens and now, you know, and there'll be more and more uh, upgrades to those things. And I mean, and just what happened in the pandemic with yeah. like a lot of these, a, a lot of the people that I talked to all started because they lost the job and you know, if they're not in, if they're not, they are all actively, if they're not already in a brick and mortar, they're actively looking at one. I should be like, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there's pros and cons to every operation, which I've note, like, which I have, I've noticed, but, um, yeah, I mean, there it's, I think it's really easy in this industry to get complacent. Yeah. Like the old, right. The older people get, I think there's no, there's no secret there that people get stuck in their ways. And like the older you get, the more you think, you know, the more you think the youth are dumb, you know, like there's <laughs> the great divide that happens to every generation. And with this podcast, it's really taken me out of my day to day and shown me like, Hey, there's a different way to operate. And like, listen to all these stories. And I, I also do like it because they're all from California, mostly Los Angeles. And so it's kind of like time capsuling, what's going on in LA right now. And, and, and again, like building a, a local community because, you know, I hope to bring everyone back and do like a round table pizza uh, with everybody and, you know, and maybe do stuff later on in the future. But it, it's just been, it's been like way cooler than I thought it was going to be. And I'm, I'm super stoked to see where it goes, whether I do another season or, or 10 uh, it's just been, it's really been eye-opening and it's like i said it's helped me step out of my box and realize yo like there's a lot of room to change there's a lot of things that i could do differently like i closed i started closing Tuesday last month i was so scared to close one day a week it was our slowest day it's way easier to staff six days i automatically have a day off so if i want to do other stuff i'm here right now talking to you on a tuesday um I can help my wife with whatever she needs. It's just nice. The, yeah. the, the shop is closed. There's nothing to worry about. But I would never have done that if I hadn't talked to these 12 people and realized that, like, you don't you don't have to do it every day. What made you, like, what made you, what questions did they answer for you that you were kind of trying to figure out that you weren't sure about closing Tuesday? Well, I think that is, is – you know, I've been doing this since I was like for 17 years yeah. and I've always worked at a restaurant that's seven days a week open from 11 to 10 and you get scared. Like you, I always would worry about customers, you know, they're very sensitive, you know? So if they come in on a Tuesday and we're not open, they're confused or, 
Uh, do they think we're closed or do they get mad? Or is that extra income really going to affect payroll or like, how are we going to make that up? Um, and I think just like weighing a lot of that stuff out, uh, it was like very obvious that closing actually might, uh, like mentally and monetarily be more beneficial. Yeah, I agree. There's places that I go to that are closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I don't just disregard them and never go back. I just know that they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. And if I want to go there, I got to go make a plan to go on a Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah. And, and, and I, and people have been really cool. Hey, on Instagram, I came by, like you guys were closed. I mean, we, it says closed on Tuesdays. We try to put it everywhere, but like everyone has been very receptive to the closing. Everyone still asks why we do it. Um, but I think it's common. It's a common thing for restaurants to be closed Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And again, when I, when I open up more of these, I do think that I'll close Monday, Tuesday, and I probably would only be open from four, from four to nine or four to 10, because I think that the, I think lunch is dead in Los Angeles. And if it's not, they're just not, they're not doing it here. Um, with everyone still working from home and stuff, it's just like really tough to chisel out, you know, or to be open 11 to three with pizza. Yeah. Sales and I, th- I think it, yeah, it depends on you where you are. There's probably places listening that are like, oh, we're so busy for lunch. And then there's places who are, if I was to do it all over again, I would do exactly that. I would not be open Monday or Tuesday. And I would, I probably wouldn't open till five and be open till nine. And I would do that five days a week. And then I would yeah. be like, you know what? We sell a couple things. We're going to be the best at it. You know who does this really well? You know, Bruno from Pizza Bruno in Orlando. Yeah, that fucking guy turns the online ordering on at like seven ten. He he's like open from like six to seven fifteen. Uh, you know, f- four days a week, and he's packed all the time. But he makes a really good pizza in in an area that's not really known for really good pizza, so he can have the luxury of doing that. So, I think you can't have a crappy, mediocre pizza and be like, you know what, I'm gonna make my own hours because if you're just like everybody else, then it's gonna be hard for you to do that. Well, yeah, but if you're just like everyone else, it's going to be hard for you to do anything. True. You're uh, going to be struggling every day. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, Secret Pizza LA, Sean, uh, he operates um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and he only does pre-orders, and he knows exactly what he needs, what to prep. He does some slices and a little bit of walk-in, I think. Yeah. But he still is... He is still running his same business model the same way that or very similar to the way he was when he was selling pizzas out of his apartment and it has it's working out for him and it, it creates hype too yeah you know what I mean like you, if you can't get something all the time and you it's and you have to schedule it it's almost kind of exciting you like know on when, Monday when his orders open that you know you gotta get you gotta get your slot for Saturday night and you know it there there's something very cool about that and if it, you know if you can't like you can't just start over and do something like that but like that business model to me is like that's rock solid man i love he's it probably prepping all day wednesday but you're working four days four days a week i mean you know exactly what you're selling like that to me that's that's some genius shit yeah i mean it's great the only downside of that is how scalable is that you know like how like if but if that's all you want to do then then that's you make enough money doing that, then that's like the key to life, I think, right? Be happy with what you're doing and make enough money to survive. Um, 
but how scalable is that? You know, is that a scalable model where you want to open a multiple ones, which I guess? Well, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I mean, if he's in El Sereno and people are coming all over for his pie, uh, and maybe you open up far enough away. I mean, he, he also got, this gentleman got great press, you know, he yeah. got open three weeks and, uh, the LA times named him like best slice in LA. So, really? Yeah. And he also makes, he makes incredible pizza. Like it's, it's insane. You, yeah, I can, I almost don't have to taste pizza. I feel like you can, I mean, you can take a good picture, but his crust, every single shot that somebody takes, like, you know, when somebody like kind of, you can see they doctor up their photos on Instagram. Yeah. You know, and then, then maybe they'll repost somebody who took a picture out of the box and it's like, yo, that's, that does not look like the same shit that you, you took, you know? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like they repost somebody else's photo and the lighting's maybe shady that she's looks a little fucked up. Every single pizza that somebody reposts looks like it's a professional photo because his crust shines like a supermodel. But <laughs> enough about Sean. His, the, the, that, <laughs> that's just a very interesting, uh, like a, 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 an interesting way to run a business. And who knows? You're right. How scalable is it? I think you could do it. Yeah, but is that scalable? You know, I always feel like everybody feels the pressure to be like, oh, I'm going to open up three, four locations. But you don't have to do that if you don't want to. It's all like what you want to do. Plus, I feel like after you hit a certain amount of locations, corporate takes over and, like, things change. You know, like when you hit five locations, I've never really seen a place that has five, five locations. And if you are this place, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Five plus locations that's like good at marketing, not boring, has a really good, great pizza. I feel like once you hit that spot, it kind of like you, the 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 process starts to happen where they're trying to streamline everything and it doesn't come out as good. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think about that too. It's like uh, I wanted to scale Hot Tongue to like five five restaurants. and But like my whole thing is like being authentic as possible, you know? And yeah. Like, it, you're, if everything you're putting in is so much of yourself, then where do you start losing yourself? Do you lose it at number three? And like, do you decide that that's okay? And you're, you're just kind of there less and less you're putting in less and less like, and then all, and then it all obviously just becomes about money. Right. Right. Because I don't know, maybe some investor comes along. I don't know. I don't, I don't know because then the, you, you, your restaurant kind of loses maybe, that fun place to work at or like the, the food just gets a little bit shittier. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be sacrifice. I mean, I know a lot of people have done it, but I've seen, I've seen people scale and you can see it in their culture that like it, it's not the same restaurant as that first one. Yeah. Especially if they're all corporately owned. The only way, other way I can see you that working is if you, partner with an owner operator for each location so you say all right here's alex you're gonna have someone that works for you and they want to open up their own shop and they want it to be a hot tongue pizza they've worked for you for a little bit and say you know what i'll partner with you we're gonna open this one together and you run it and then that way like there's an owner operator there who has the same philosophy and mindset that you have and they're kind of running it there and it's their own thing yeah i think that like that would i i talk about this thing called franchising you know, yeah. and getting somebody because I've worked I've at this point now, I've worked with most of my friends that I am still in contact with in one way or another. And like that, 
having that trust or like knowing they've been around you, yeah. like you've been around them. The, the only, the only bummer thing about that is like, that sounds like a good idea. And then, you know, now you're, now you're partners with your friend and like that just can get fucking gnarly, you know? And you know what you're getting them into. Like you've been the owner for a long time and you're like, fuck, I'm getting this person into this. And like, they may hate me in a couple of years because I made them do this or I ha- or I didn't warn them about the, the downsides oh. of it. Oh, no, they will. That's like when uh, you get pregnant and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, it's so great, like, blah, blah. Like, you're, you're going to love it. And then the kid comes and you're like, God, I fucking got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tricked you into it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to explain becoming an owner until until you're there. You know, it's like I think you've talked about, like, how easy it is. There's always that person that says you can do a better – I can do a better job than you. And, oh, yeah. You know, like, I've had plenty of people that I've worked with or team members that you could see their attitude was like, you know, you had a couple busy days and it's like, you must be rolling in cash and like this, that, and the other thing. And he's like back on the computer. And it's like, dude, if you, if you had, if you knew the amount of anxiety I carried around at all, it, it would, it would, it could kill an elephant. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, uh, and, and those don't equate to a bigger paycheck, you know, it's just, it's it, so, uh, so yeah, maybe I don't, maybe I don't wish uh, ownership on any of my friends. Listen, it's tough being a manager is like, you get a couple slow hours and as the manager, you're like, Whoa, that's a good break. But as the owner, you're fucking panicking. Like, Oh my God, yeah. there's a couple slow hours. Yeah, like what, what did we do wrong? Like, is there something happening? Like, how are we going to make that up? Like there's different, there's different levels to the panic when you're the owner for the same thing that when a man happens to a manager or an employee, they just look at it as a break. Yeah, I know. Cause you're like, beat, I mean, we had a shit ton of rain and you'd think that like delivery would have gone up, but it got really slow. I think just like no one was leaving their house and like, it was kind of shitty out here. And I'm like banging my head against the wall. Like what is going on here? This is not good. But like, like I think you've said this before too. It's, you just ride the wave, dude. Yeah. It's going to be ups and downs and ups and downs. And all you can care about is what you can control, which is you know, not much, but hold on to that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can control your attitude. You can control, like, when you're there, the quality of the product that you make. You know, there's certain things that you can control, but there's a whole lot that's out of your control. And part of being an owner is trying to figure out what it is that you can control and trying to manage to the best of your ability what you can't control. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a whole lot of it. It's it's not easy. I, I, I admire that. Do you wish you started as a pizza pop-up now that you have, you know, you obviously, we did a whole podcast about you, the, you know, the the hard time opening hot tongue pizza gave you and now you're doing interviews with these pizza pop-ups do you ever look back and be like damn maybe i should just sell this and do a pizza pop-up man well uh it would have been really nice i mean like you you the startup cost like upwards like i've heard some people say you know uh like 1500 and like the the most somebody said i think recently was quarantine they said five thousand for like their full set of tent tables, rock boxes, everything. Yeah. And uh, it would have been nice for it to be an option. I just think that like uh, to, to, to be able to have that, that small investment and really test out to yeah. see if it's your passion, to see if you love it, to see if that's your purpose, it would have been nice. I mean, I grew into this. I never wanted to do pizza. If you would have told me when I was 23 that I'd own a pizza, I'd be like, dude, fucking loser. But like, <laughs> right. uh, you know, like, dude, it's fucking music forever, dude. Uh, 
So I grew into this. So, but you know, I think uh, I think that the options to to really, you know, you said you couldn't do a pancake thing. I mean, in LA, if you got a flat top and started fucking doing a uh, a pancake pop up, that actually just might fucking eater might be down there second day. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just because it's kind of it's a little crazy, but. Uh, you know, I I I, I kind of like hated on all of these things that were happening during the pandemic because I was working my ass off, yeah. just trying to survive. Everyone's wearing masks and fucking all this stuff. Uh, but I really love like what has come out and like this new rena- like pizza renaissance and just like how it will change the industry. Plus, you know, there's no better way to gauge your skills as a business owner than to start small and not put up a huge investment. If you lose if that person, even like the most expensive one that you just said, $5,000, if that person loses $5,000, they're not going to go bankrupt and have to file for bankruptcy. But if you open up, like maybe what if you rented a, you know, you put your name on a lease, that's a 15 year lease and you buy all this equipment, you know, and then it doesn't work. That's a huge you're going to have to file for bankruptcy and like you're going to have to start over and it's going to take you forever to start over. This is a great way to be able to start a business as small as you possibly can, which I think is smart. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then you have proof of concept, yeah. you know, you know that it, it, it works. I mean, a lot goes on into a pop-up too. Like, and, and then outside of that, I mean, you already have your branding, you have your recipes, you have everything. And then you have a playbook going into four walls and a lease. Speaking of branding, you and I had this, I think we talked about a logo. Like, is your logo important? <laughs> we talked about that on uh, some, where were we? Where were we that we talked about that? Somebody asked Dude, that question. We were at the future, the summit. Pizza, That's right. The Pizza the Tomorrow summit. summit. And uh, Pizza Tomorrow Summit. Yeah. And then you you doubled down and you posted about it recently, I think like two months ago. And I like, I'd written out this like, Fucking like, what is Bruce talking about? I wrote this whole thing out to you. And I was like, I'm not gonna send this. You should send it. I don't care. I'm not gonna send this. I love it. I doubled down. Listen, hey, let me let me clarify. I don't think your logo. I think your logo matters, but I don't think your logo matters when you're starting, right? Like, I think a lot of people look at themselves starting a business and they're like, I can't start my business till my logo is perfect. And I don't think you should wait to that point to start your business. Like, you can make pizzas and adjust your logo as you go. The more you build up your brand, I think your logo becomes more important over time, but not necessarily in the beginning. I, I think that every opportunity that you have to put yourself and, and your care into your product, whether it's the tent that you buy for your pop-up or your logo logo or your boxes or like whatever, is just very important. It, it, there's, I think it, to me, and I just might be different, but I was talking to, to Nick from Lucky Nick's yesterday about when he started out. And he, he mentioned as his four keys to opening up a good pop-up was branding number four because people wanted to wear shirts right away. His tent had this like sick logo on it. And like it, it's, it makes the experience way more memorable. It's like, yeah, it was good pizza, but it was served to me out of a blue tent. You know, it's like you, you have to make these connections. Like it's how your brain works in patterns. So it's like every time they see a horseshoe or – now I got this, I got the tongue or the praying hands. Like they see those things and they think you're pizza. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I, I do think that like there's brand recognition and that logo can be slapped on anything. And like what we talked about in Orlando, like, you know, maybe a lot of people don't go to websites anymore, but I still 
check out people's websites and it's like because it's an extension of you and if your website kind of looks like trash you're already going to lose me there so yeah. it's like to me it's like full picture do do i think you should wait on your logo before getting into business maybe not but i mean like it's all part of your business plan you know like i'm going to be called uh killer slice pizza and i'm going to have a knife through the slice and everything's going to be black and you know that that should be part of your whole like the, the whole package should come together you know together it shouldn't just be like i've been making pizzas in my Breville oven i just bought an uni off craigslist and now i'm gonna just and i have this old camping tent i'm gonna fucking pop up because my pizzas are fire you're it's not it, i don't I don't, that also might work in LA. I was going to say, the fucking eater would be down there for that one too. <laughs> Eater's down there like, there's a, there's, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's like my two cents on branding. I, I think it's powerful. I think the logo is super important. And it, like, you know that like when you look at somebody's logo and it's like GIF art, you know, like <laughs> if they got off Google or like, it's just like some typical like, Giuseppe's or you call yourself uh, it, uh, Lucas Pizza. They're, like if you Google it, you're going to get a thousand, you know, Giuseppe's in the United States. Like, yeah. You, you know what I mean? And like, I don't know, you guys, you got to, that's, it's an opportunity to stand out. I think you're, see, I don't know if I, I don't know if I equate logo with branding because I think sometimes your logo can be simple, right? It could be really, really simple and it's not going to be like, how you stand out branding wise, but you're right. If you go, if I go to somebody's pizza website and I see uh, a pizza, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, like a pizza with a tomato and a pepper and an onion on a board, like that's not good branding, but uh, I don't think you should do that. I think you definitely should do your own stuff and make sure that, you know, you have somebody that comes in there and takes natural photos, not staged photos that are highly staged. Cause I do think branding is important. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something else, but I totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, but I agree with you. I agree and disagree. Oh, well, here's what I was going to say. I think your logo can get better over time. Just like when I said you're going to start, if you start a podcast, your first podcast is going to be terrible. If you go back and look at my artwork for my first uh, iTunes logo on Smart Pizza Marketing, it was horrendous. But I didn't know what I was doing. And then you just kind of, you kind of adapt and change and build up your brand as you go. And it's okay to get started, even if you're, you think it's great, because I can guarantee you two years from now, you're going to go back and look at that logo and be like, damn, that logo sucked. I started with this one I have now is great. Yeah. Well, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I do think though, that starting strong instead of just putting something out there to have it is a, is a better idea. Totally. But I don't think a lot of people know what starting strong is though. Do you? You have experience, so like you have experience opening up hot tongue because you've been through it. So I yeah. think you're you're a little bit more experienced than someone who's like I was a I was a real estate agent and I bought my uni off of a Craigslist and I'm gonna open a pizza pop up now. Well, as long as like I, I again I, I do think that like being authentic is like such an important part because like if you're not authentic and like what you're selling isn't you and Yeah something that you believe in and it's like you're a real estate agent you see that like pizza's fun and like you want to make some money then like you're fucked because, <laughs> like, you don't get into this business to make a ton of money and i think that all the real ones will tell you that that like you it, it is a passion you know 
uh, you have to fully be in. You have to fully give yourself to respect the craft. That's what they say, right? <laughs> I was trying not to say that, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, respect the craft, man. You gotta respect the craft. <laughs> Speaking of respecting the craft, you just went. You just got back from Beats Expo, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I did. I checked it out. Uh, I think this year was my sixth year. Going, and you you competed this year too, didn't you? I competed, which was, which was like a great experience. I think, to be honest with you, the last two, or maybe the last uh, last year was like, I don't want to say stale, but I think that um, it's such a it's oh shit sorry that's okay it's uh it's a well done it's it's so well done the uh, the pizza expo uh, I've learned a lot going there, but. Uh, the as you know like a lot of the seminars are like repeats yeah so like i've seen a lot of the seminars like multiple times and so i wasn't i didn't go to that many this year i basically was on the uh competition floor because it was brand new to me that i was exciting and it was cool to like have that this year and i think going going into the to, uh to future expos that's probably where i'll be spending most of my time too i think i got I got bit by the competition bug. I think I like I was maybe like forty-one out of ninety, but uh, that was a W for me because obviously I didn't use meat or dairy, so uh, I was stoked. Did you tell people that it was a vegan pizza, or did you not? I didn't say shit. I mean, and I even on my card, I tried to like I tried to stay away from the word like cashew mozzarella. Yeah. So I like wrote cashew cream with granulated almond. Instead of like trying to say almond, like what I would say in the shop, almond farm, cashew mozzarella. So I, I tried to like, I was really trying not to take the judges out of, out of the fact that like, oh, this is a vegan pizza. Yeah. People like automatically get fucking weird. But do you uh, have to, do you have to put the ingredients on the card? Yeah. It's mandatory. Yeah. If I, if I, I mean, I would have just. I, I I felt like I had to put cashew and almond because I wasn't trying to kill anybody. Right, I guess that's true. I was a I uh, was a a judge one time in uh, in New Jersey, and they gave us the cards and like people would write like their like a book on it. I was like, give me the bullet points, buddy. The bullet points. Well, yeah, no, I saw some <laughs> I saw some people were writing like. 72 hour for men with uh, Karen Spring, or you can't say brands, whole wheat flour, 25%, my, my hydration. I took the my starter around on a bicycle ride. <laughs> I came back and I was like, dude, I, I literally wrote like two sentences and I actually like, I, I did three cards. I write like a four-year-old. You said it right. It was really tough for me. And I, my, my hands shaking because I was pretty nervous. And the best one, I had to just like cross some shit out. I don't know if they judge on the cards too, but that whole thing's fucked up. I would have just I, put a link to a website that they could go watch a video. Yeah, <laughs> just next time, just come with a, a, a QR code. Yeah, exactly. Right. Go scan this. They all have their phones there because they're all back there taking pictures of all the pizzas. Just scan this and watch this video. I'll describe what it is. I'll tell you about yeah, my bike well, right around with my starter in the back. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. I, I try to keep it simple. My pie was super simple. I was a non-traditional dude. You, you got like people putting wagyu meat and caviar on pizzas. Yeah. Like, just like the most insane shit. I, I made it. 
I made it like an arbiata sauce with red onion and roasted red peppers and basil. I think you know? simple is better. I was talking to a lot of judges back there, and we were like, you know what? I think if you can do a really good pizza with less ingredients, you're going to stand out more than if you do use some extravagant ingredients. When you use these extravagant ingredients, it almost like you're trying too hard. Yeah. Well, and there, it's like too much. It's like too much. You know? I've never yeah. eaten caviar on a pizza in my life. If you serve it to me as a judge, it's not going to stand out. It's like, wow, this is a great pizza because I've never ordered that ever in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There was, like, a lot of beautiful pizzas, but I just don't know, like, how they tasted. Yeah. And, but, who knows? You know, at this at the end of the day, too, like, uh, whether I was 40th or number one, it's like, the, the five people or four people that are judging you are just five or four people judging you, you know? Like, that's where, like, the fun is. I'm not going to get, like, oh, man, what the fuck, you know? Like, it... It's a, it's, it should be like a fun competition to necessarily call somebody the international, you know, pizza champion for a competition. I don't know if that's hundred percent like true. Uh, I might get in trouble for that. Well, it's a bunch of randos. It's a bunch of randos judging. It's me. I was a judge. So I can just tell you, like, I, if I say somebody has the best pizza, there's no effing way in the history of the world. They should be called the international pizza champion. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I guess that's kind of like what I'm saying is like, you know, what's your, you, you've you owned a pizzeria, you probably eat a lot of pizza, but what's your, like, what, to me, no one really has, uh, like, the, the credentials to call my pizza something, you know, just because yeah. you have cloud or something, like, that, I mean, I don't know. It's a tough it's situation great. because you want to... You want to win, but you don't – how do they select the judges, and what's the criteria for their opinions to matter, right? Like, what is – what are they – they're just judging on their opinion of what this pizza looks like and tastes like. Yeah, exactly, and that's like kind of like what everybody does. I mean, and really, this is going to sound – Who won? What? Who won the competition? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Steve Carlucci, and then actually somebody from uh, D-Town Pizza in L.A. won uh, non-traditional or pan, I think. Uh, so traditional is just cheese, right? Yeah, traditional is just cheese and one topping. And then non-traditional is whatever you want. Whatever you want, and then and then pan is uh, pan pizza, and you have to like uh, press out the dough there. Oh, it's hard. I mean, listen, I admire anybody who, who competes in those competitions because it's not – easy you're not in your environment your ingredients are all kind of all over the place and it's stressful because there's a lot of people staring at you while you're making your pizza and cooking it yeah no and that i mean it's like the, the adrenaline is running high people are using different ovens i used the mariforni instead of what i was going to use as a pizza master because everyone was using the pizza master and the temp wasn't there and luckily drew uh who now works for Mariforni, I was like, dude, can you get this oven up to 600? And he helped me, and I, I used that oven. But, like, yeah. I mean, like, that was all fun to me. Yeah. It was just, like, I'm cooking pizzas on a floor in Vegas, and this is fucking sick. And, you know, that's that's the experience to have. Um, yeah. I digress talking about, like, the judges and credentials. I was just trying to get at that, like, if you have people that come into your restaurant every day to, to eat your pizza, like you're already a winner, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like listen, they they don't 
I don't even know who the judges were, but I could probably tell you who they were. If I had to guess, it was probably like Scott Wiener was a judge and people yeah. on the pizza pizza champions team were probably judges. Uh, people from Marafoni were probably judges. I, you know, you could probably, uh, I could probably tell you where those people worked that were judges or where they were from without even knowing who the judges were. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy too is like, even when you, when you talk about getting judged or, or, or critiques, like, you know, you, people also like kind of need to be told what is good. So yeah. like when you get slapped on world pizza champion or like somebody gives you a five star or a, a great, um, you know, editorial and eater, you know, people, they don't think they just go right, right to you, right to the food and like they eat it. And there's, there's something it, it, it makes things a little tough sometimes because you're banging again, I'm banging my head against the, the wall because uh, it, sometimes if you don't have those publications or somebody isn't telling these people to come in and that this is the best pizza in your city, then they'll go eat something else that, that they're being told to. I don't know if this makes sense. Too. It does. Know. You're saying, so what you're saying is there's a lot of public, like people, you kind of, it's, it's live or die by the sword kind of right because you have to be in those you want to be in those publications because you want people to know about you and that's where they go for information but you don't necessarily yeah. want to be in those publications because you don't want to have to rely on the publications to get people to come into your business so it's like a do or die situation i don't know if do or die is the right analogy but uh, yeah i mean like you look at maybe like look i like i like the uh what was that chef's table that pizza show chef's table was it dough uh, something dough no, Chef's Table did, I think, seven pizza. Uh, Chef's Table, the, the pizza edition. Yeah. On Netflix. Okay. Did you watch it? No. Dude, you got to watch it. Well, I also don't want to get in trouble. I would only watch one episode. I watched the, the Chris Bianco episode. It's great because he just sounds like, he just is like the coolest guy. Oh, okay. I know. So they went into like a pizza restaurant and they talked about like a specific pizza chef, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Sarah Minix is good. Okay, they're they're all good. They're 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 all good. But what, what they kind of do, I mean, all those people that were on that show, I imagine their businesses went crazy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Spotlights on them. They get these beautiful shots. This blah blah blah. They're, I think they'll probably be blessed for a very long. Well, it's kind of like Dave Portnoy, right? Like he, as much of a dink as he is. When he when he does a review of your pizzeria, he can really move the needle to get people to go into your pizzeria if it's a good score. Yeah, I mean the the, the power that man has is undeniable. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's, it's freaking crazy. But I don't know. Did you watch? Did you watch all those Netflix pizzas? No, I think I turned on the Chris Bianco one and turned it off after five minutes. Yeah, well, the funny thing about that is like you know pizza is supposed to just kind of like be this like it, it was it's been and was peasant food and like you know yeah like it's supposed to be like this fun thing and it's i don't know you're using tweezers for your pizza you know <laughs> you know what sh that documentary you sent me about how the you know the one i talked about on a previous podcast turned me off from all pizza documentaries <laughs> dude the pizza documentary called pizza yes the, the pizza the movie i've decided i'm not watching anything pizza anymore yeah. Well, yeah, actually, that, you know what? The only pizza show that I had actually thought was good was Frank Frank Pinello's pizza show. That was pretty good. That show was great. That there was something though that was just like you could just feel again, I'm gonna say the word authentic. Yeah. It just felt like really like 
Frank going in there and like, you know, having some banter and like eating some pizza and like it just felt like really like natural and like, oh man, this show is really fun. Yeah, that's the only one I've ever watched that I watched multiple episodes. I'm like, you know what? I could watch this. A lot of the other ones I turn off after a few minutes. It's either phony or overproduced or not what the real pizzeria is like and it's just like i can i know it's not like that so why am i watching this or they're trying the actors are trying too hard uh to act when they're not actors you know and it's just like you know just be yourself yeah well i think that's tough like the minute the camera goes on i think you know psychologically they say people start acting differently they start talking with a tone that goes up they're like and then i had this and then i had that and then i went to this pizzeria and like the, as soon as the camera comes on all of a sudden the way they talk totally changes well, uh, it's not easy being on camera sometimes. <laughs> no, it's not. That's why I don't do it. That's why I do these. I do these remotely. I don't want to be on fucking camera. Yeah, yeah. It's you gotta you gotta turn it on, dude. You look at people like Guy Fieri. That guy is just a straight natural. Yeah, he's very over the top too. Like I think you have to have like that personality. And plus, I think what they say is, and I'm not an expert at this. But I think what they say is you have to be extra dramatic on camera if you want to be like that because the camera can make you seem boring if you're if you're like in person, you and I, I can see your mannerisms, I can see all your facial expressions and your tone, but on camera it doesn't relate as much. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, in, at the end of the day, people want to be entertained, so. Yeah, well, this podcast went way off the rails. We talked what about that? I said this podcast episode. We talked about a whole bunch of things. Where I got to go back and edit some of the stuff out. Made fun of judges. Yeah, I made fun of the pizza show. Yeah, I made. I talked about respect the craft. What else did I talk about that I ain't gonna get in trouble for? Respect. A whole bunch of things. Respect the journey, dude. That's right, Alex. Your new podcast episode is out. Is it on iTunes and Spotify and all those channels as well? It's everywhere, and then you can watch you you can watch them live on our YouTube channel, um, Hot Tongue TV on YouTube. Okay. And uh, please go watch. We need those four thousand hours. So. What's the name of the podcast? Just for everybody else who's not familiar. The podcast is called Pie, Pie to Pie. So if you search Pie to Pie on iTunes or Spotify, it'll pop up. Yep, we have uh, the first season, eight episodes. I'll probably continue that formula. I'll take a break, and then we'll do another another eight episodes and. Uh, do Los Angeles as long as I can, and then I'm hoping to do a little tour up uh, up the uh, West Coast, Hit maybe hit Sanctuary. Shout out if you're listening to it. I'd like to talk to you. Uh, he doesn't know that yet, but, you know, go to go to the, my favorite Instagram accounts and, and go up the coast and take this thing on tour. Nice. I love it. I'll link it up in the show notes for this episode as well, so if you're listening to the podcast, I'll link up your YouTube channel and uh, your links to Apple and Spotify. Go check out the podcast. I you probably, it might pop up if you just are listening to this. If you look below, usually they suggest other related pizza podcasts. So if you are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, just check, see if it's right below you in the suggested area and hit subscribe on that. Alex, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you to Alex for joining me on the podcast. If you missed anything that we talked about, head over to smartpizzamarketing.com. That's our home base. And that's where I usually come up with some show notes for the episode you're listening to right now. So if you're in the car or wherever you're listening to the podcast, if you missed anything, Alex's new podcast, his YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Alex's website, or what he's doing on Instagram. He's really doing some fun stuff on Instagram. Go to our website, smartpizzamarketing.com. I'll link everything over there so you can go take a listen. 
And if you want to leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify, Spotify, you can only leave like a star rating. There's no words that you can leave. But if you do leave a review on iTunes, you can, you know, write, write a nice little message to me. Maybe I'll shout some people out on the podcast over the next couple of weeks, those that do leave me a review. Because those do help the algorithm. And by helping the algorithm, the show grows. We get more exposure. Uh, we get more guests to come on the podcast. You know, sometimes guests come on the podcast, and I touched a little bit on it in this episode with Alex. I do reach out a lot. Not a lot of people say no. But sometimes, you know, there's there's those celebrity chefs or, you know, influencers who have big followings, and they're like, how many downloads do you have? So the more downloads that we have, the more likely it is, you know what, screw those people. I'm never going to ask them anyway. Forget it. I would love your review, but for my own personal reasons. So forget all that I just said, because I don't want those guys or gals on the podcast anyway. Never mind. But I appreciate you listening. So thank you so much. Hit me up on Instagram, and we'll see you next time.